Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 2nd of September, 2021, Hong Kong Stories Podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. Hong Kong as a city is all about food. It's a place that runs on its belly. From the older gentleman who will appear in the autumn with roasted sweet potatoes and chestnuts, to the egg waffle lady on the corner, to the Michelin-starred restaurant or the cake shop with lines all the way around the block, Hong Kongers are keen on their food. In fact, an eight-year-old friend of mine just shared her greatest fear about leaving Hong Kong and moving to another country to study. What if the food isn't any good? Well, today's stories highlight food in a way that you might not have encountered before. First, we'll hear from Lillian about the perils of fasting, and then we'll re-listen to one of my stories about school lunches. Before we get to today's stories, though, a comforting hug goes out to our loyal hometown listeners. We really appreciate all the love and support you give us, Hong Kong, and we are listening. Greetings go out to our overseas listeners as well, especially to those in Hyderabad in India, Saga in Japan, and Markham in Canada. Thanks for letting our stories into your ears. Our next show will be coming up on September the 30th, and the theme will be Same, Same, But Different. Links to how to pitch and more Tell Any Story-like workshops will be up on the website, hongkongstories.com, and on meetup.com. Tickets will be available two weeks before the show. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than drama. It's better than comedy. It's real life. And now with the story from our August 2021 show that had the theme, Bustin' Out, here is Lillian. I have people around me fast regularly. Uh, one fasting method is called the Master Cleanse. Uh, it's a 10 days lemonade fast. <laughs> Basically, no solid food or um, juices are taken during the fast uh, other than this specific kind of lemonade. I witnessed a friend losing 10 pounds in 10 days. Her energy level was great and she looked amazing afterwards. I was very much attracted by this idea because I also want to lose some weight. Also, I want to test if I am the master of my own body and my own mind. So last year, October, when I was in between jobs, um, I decided to t- take this um, master cleanse challenge. On the first and the second day, I was totally fine. On the third day, um, I started feeling upset. So I checked in with myself to see what's going on. Hey, how are you? I could hear my stomach talking. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm okay. Then the mouth started yearning. Oh, I'm so bored. Every day just sounds from lemon. I want more. I want more. What, 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 what do you want? Well, you know, different flavors, spiciness, sweetness, and not just taste, also feelings. Feelings? 
What feelings? Do you remember the friction between teeth when chewing chips? <laughs> the touches when crunchy nuts landing on the soft gum, and and waves after waves when squeezing juices out from orange. When the when the mouse was expressing, I could see the mine was nodding very hard. <laughs> Then I examined myself. I, I feel the energy level was okay, so I decided to shut the ears to the mouth. When the mouse was not happy, emotions traveled up to the mind. The mind started being so upset. Ah, oh, uh, I'm not happy. I don't want to move. I don't want to do anything. It was the first time I was so clear with myself that my desire for food didn't come from the stomach, but from mouth and mind especially. So to really comfort the mind, I stayed indoor most time and soon found a way to entertain it. To be honest, I was. Never interested in watching food videos. <laughs> I even couldn't understand why there are people like watching other people eat. Where's the pleasure from? <laughs> But when I had no access to food, surprisingly, watching other people eat somehow provided me certain level of satisfaction. <laughs> So my food video journey starts from this bowl of ramen. So ramen has always been my comfort food. It's something I miss the most during the fast. Well, I don't know how YouTube got to know my preference. I mean, Google is my best friend. Probably Google told YouTube. Anyways, <laughs> just on that day, this bowl of ramen appeared on the landing page. Of my YouTube, <laughs> I look at this noodle from the cover photo. Wow, wow! It looks so sexy. <laughs> look at his white skin. It's smooth. It's not thin, not fat. It looks just right. So I couldn't help myself and click into the video. The YouTuber started、uh, by introducing the soup. Oh, so many ingredients!、Uh, hold on, what? Pork, beef.、Uh, I'm vegetarian, but it's okay. Just a video. No judgment here, okay? <laughs> oh, the soup is stewed for hours. Wow,、well, the noodle must feel so happy bathing in such high quality soup. I'm happy for him. Then the YouTuber started having the noodle. The noodle touches the lips and goes into the mouth. Oh, the the sound. The sound is so flirty. I, at this moment, I, I my mind started fantasizing the noodle is actually. In my mouth, as if I could feel the texture is smooth, elastic, mingles with my 
Saliva. My tongue and my teeth tearing down, and I swallow it. My throat becomes warm. I feel full. I just had a virtual meal and it was satisfying. All of a sudden, I could understand why such food videos are also called food porn. <laughs> so I watched a lot of videos during the fast. I mean, food videos. And I had my wish list, Vietnamese, Thai, ramen, Sichuan. Every day I was living in hope I could quit such virtual meal and enjoy the physical food. Finally, on the 11th day, I just couldn't wait and make a dinner appointment in the restaurant ranking quite high in open rice. I'm so excited. Finally, my mouth can... Feel something real, the real taste, real texture. I ordered my ramen. I quickly get into my mouth, and I froze. What? What? What happened? And my mind say, oh, no, 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 it's not right. It's not a texture. It's not a taste. The noodle is so thin. The soup is full of MSG. So the reality is not as tasty as my expectation. I only lost two pounds, and I realized YouTube becomes the real master of my mind. Who is the real master of your mind? Whoever it is, we're here waiting to hear your story about it. Up next is a recording of a story I wrote and performed at a live show, but it was one where we had technical difficulties, and so it was re-recorded in the studio. Here is Rachel. Everyone has memories of favorite dishes made by significant people in their lives, and my life is no exception. Where it differs from many people is that my family had a bit of an unusual relationship to food because we had one family member whose relationship was somewhat toxic. My younger brother Andrew had severe food allergies. As soon as he started eating solid food, he was always ill. I don't remember much about the time as I was only about four, but I do remember the worry for my parents, the absence, and the hospital visits. Eventually, it was discovered that Andrew couldn't eat wheat cow's milk, and sugar, which made for a very constrictive diet for a farm kid in Canada. This was the late 70s, and health food shops with gluten-free, non-cow dairy options weren't easily available in Ontario, Canada. My parents bought a small farm and began raising goats. We grew as much of our own food as possible. My mother made her own cheese and yogurt from goat's milk, which my brother could digest. She made bread for the rest of the family. Watching it rise in a large enamel bowl and then punching it down and kneading it was always a highlight in my day. We raised our own beef cow, and every year we'd get a flock of chickens in the spring, raise them through the summer, and slaughter them ourselves in the backyard in the fall. We were raised on organic, free-range farm food, fresh and direct to the table. 
what every parent dreams of for their kids, but few parents have the resources to provide. It's a lot of work raising a family and all their food as well. So naturally, all I ever wanted was store-bought food. I remember coming home from visiting Grandma and Grandpa one day and telling my mother about the taste sensation of Campbell's chicken noodle soup from a can. It was so delicious when I asked my mother, why can't we have anything that yummy? My mother, who did not enjoy cooking very much, must have wanted to strangle me as she made our homemade, homegrown dinner for the seven members of her family. Sometimes I marvel that I lived to adulthood at all. I envied the kids in my class, their Pop-Tarts and their wagon wheels. I craved food coloring additives, chocolate and donuts. I wanted to eat sugar until my eyes rolled up in my head and drink liters of thin cow's milk instead of the richly flavored goat's milk at home. I stared, salivating at sandwiches made with store-bought white bread and slices of Kraft cheese. My lunch would be a sandwich wrapped in wax paper made with thick-sliced homemade bread with cheese and sausage. There was often a handful of raisins for a snack in a reusable container. If it was a good day, there would be an apple from the orchard next to our house to go with it. If it was a bad day, there would be a boiled egg which would release its sulfurous smell as I peeled it. No one ever wanted to trade their lunches with mine. But oh, how I envied their additive-rich, sugar-filled deliciousness. But you work with what you got. My grandparents would continue to tempt us with store-bought soup and ginger snaps from a packet, and even, if we were lucky, maple walnut ice cream. As we got older, so did my grandparents, and they started to struggle keeping up their large home in town. My grandmother began to show signs of dementia. She became forgetful, and sometimes fretful, and upset. They moved to an independent apartment in a retirement complex on the outskirts of the same town. We still went over to visit frequently and loved eating licorice babies and spechelous cookies while my poor brother nibbled his raisins and nuts that my mother always brought along. A few years after they moved into the home, my grandfather passed away, leaving my grandmother to manage on her own. She was often confused by this time, and I know my mother struggled with managing time to spend with her while raising her own family and all the work that that entailed. She worried about her mother's ability to cope alone and whether or not she was eating properly and if she felt lonely. One of the temporary solutions she had for all these worries was me. I was an enthusiastic volunteer in the Keep Grandma Company campaign. I would go and stay with her, a rare opportunity to be petted and spoiled by this wonderful lady. I loved having her all to myself, even if she only spoke to me in Flemish, a language I only understood a few words in, or thought I was my own mother and told me to do my homework. She would get upset once in a while, but if I turned on the TV or smiled at her and spoke to her in English and held her hand, she'd quickly calm down. I was just the right person for this. I was old enough, at ten, to need little extra care from an adult. I could dress and clean myself and keep my things tidy. I could call for help from my parents or the people in the assisted living complex, and I could check that Grandma had turned off the stove or got dressed properly in the morning. My school was in the same town my Grandma lived in, so I could even stay overnight and walk to school in the morning, avoiding the hour-long bus ride from my countryside home. But there was more. The icing on the cake came the first time I slept at Grandma's house. We'd watch TV until after nine o'clock on a school night. 
and gone to bed shortly after, having brushed our teeth and changed into our nighties. The next morning, Grandma made me oatmeal with brown sugar for breakfast and packed me a lunch. I walked to school feeling very content and wishing I could live like this, just me and Grandma and no pesky brothers or chores or smelly goats or weeding the garden or chickens, wherever. I could live in town and walk to school and have soup from a can every day. The grass was looking much greener on the other side of my fence. But what made this the best day ever was when the lunch bell rang. I opened my lunch where a plastic bag nestled proudly, showing off its store-bought white bread contents. Grandma had packed me lunch while I ate breakfast, and I hadn't paid attention. But when I unwrapped my sandwiches, I found, without even asking for it, my grandmother had given me the holy grail. There it was, two slices of store-bought bread, each with a thick layer of butter, liberally covered with white sugar. I hadn't even known such bliss existed. A sugar sandwich. For once, I did not covet the sandwiches of those around me. I calmly laid my bounty back together and ate my lunch in ecstasy. I didn't tell my mother or my siblings for many years of my extra reasons for loving my grandma. Food can evoke memories, and although I no longer crave sugar the way I did when I was a child, Every now and then, I think of my grandmother, and then I have a hankering for a sugar sandwich. Thanks for listening to today's stories brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. The music for this podcast was written and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. 每个人都有自己的故事